0: Hi, Josephine.
1: Hi, Miss Wendy. How are you? I am good. How are you?
0: I am thrilled that we have a new president coming
1: towards us. Yes. I <laughs> coming throu- towards us triumphantly.
0: Really blessed and grateful and thanking God and Jesus for um, this November 2020, the year of our Lord. Because uh, the election results finally happened. The longest election day ever, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: And so we're going to have Art back in the White House.
1: Yes. I thought you were going to do like, we did it, we did it, Joe. I <laughs> you were going to do a Kamala Harris. I mean, you, you, oh, no. we did it. No, I'm I'm <laughs> waiting for people to do that to me because my name is Joe. So it's just like oh, we did I, it.
0: I'm out we did it. Now, and I call you like weeping. We did it. Yeah, so, yeah. No,
1: I'm not really <laughs> and you're running around. And...
0: No, I won't because respect to the first female vice president in our nation's history. How effing exciting! It's gonna be Rogan. So
1: oh my gosh, and she has like a she has like bomb recipes. I I mean yeah. like she like. <laughs> I feel like over the, like, since Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, yeah, Kamala, make Kamala Harris's stuffing. I think it was on her Instagram. Right. And then I saw one was like, make Kamala Harris's tuna melt, tuna melt and make she dosas. <laughs> and she,
0: was, um, she was making dosas with, um, with Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. And the two of them were cooking together, and um, they were laughing because all of their spices were in folder's cans.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> they were like, that is the Indian way. All of your spices are in folder's cans. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I know. I love it. I love how real she is. And she's so relatable. I'm so excited about it. Um, yeah, November, November time of welcome to art time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> we're covering November in the longest year ever. Yes. Sweet Jesus. We're almost there guys. We're almost, almost there. there. We are approaching the end of our third season together. Mm.
1: Can you believe?
0: I mean, it's not a season. It's a whole fucking year. Yeah. It's a whole calendar year. Cause that's how periods work. <laughs> <They're marketing. laughs> uh, we have lots and lots to cover. Do you want me to go over the whoopee list of things?
1: Oh yes. Please whoopee me.
0: All right. I'm going to give you the, the view whoopee. Here we go. Um, we're going to talk about the election day joy. And how SNL had, like, you know, all of the tricks they pulled out of the bag to, um, to accommodate that. We're going to talk about The Crown Season 4. Yo! Joseph's mm-hmm. eyebrows just climbed up his forehead so far up into his hairline. It's thrilling. Um, the Queen's Gambit. Some more British stuff for you. The Flight Attendant. Big Mouth. Um, lots of stuff happened on Netflix, including a ton of um holiday movies. And um, of course, we're gonna talk about the happiest season in Joe's Gay Corner. Um, I wanna talk about <laughs> and Joe just did a nice
1: I did a flourish, I did a little a face.
0: Flourishy gay hand gesture. Um I wanna talk about Barack Obama's book, A Promised Land. And, um, of course we're going to talk about our glitter sport.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Um, so we're going to do that. And then, uh, we are also going to wrap it all up when talking about the resurgence of game shows, which has, um, been oddly comforting to watch all month long. So, so here we go. How was your election day? Did you watch all of the things? Because we talked about this
2: last month. <sighs> I I
1: I ended up not watching um, what the Constitution means to me. Um, I forgot what I did. It was something completely out of left field. It, election Day, two thousand sixteen, when it was like pretty clear that uh, Trump was in the lead. I remember watching um, these back episodes I had of Westworld. <laughs> And, and then like, I thought about maybe watching it again, but I also didn't want to jinx it. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so like we, yeah, I did, I didn't watch any, I didn't watch any news coverage, which was my intention. Like I was like, I don't want to watch any news coverage about the night. And as the counts went on, like the closer it got to that Saturday, I've watched more and more of the coverage. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I'm glad I paced myself. Because there were people who were like up, you know, until the wee hours. There was a, there was one guy who streams on Twitch, and he like sat and absorbed news like 16 hours a day that whole week. Uh
0: huh. That was me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was me. Um, Yeah. The um did you ever watch what the Constitution means to me?
1: no, I still haven't, so I, mean, I know that was I know when I said that and i get I lied' I'm a f-
0: democracy and our founding fathers and get into that a
1: filthy liar. Well, you know what now I feel a little bit better about our democracy <laughs>
0: yeah, yep. yeah, do it um yeah, so we're gonna um break all that down i like I have been like. I was so, I don't know why I can't speak right now. I was addicted to the news cycle that whole week. Um, and I very baldly and plainly ignored children that I was supposed to be teaching all week long. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like had them on my zoom screen and was watching CNN behind them. And then like every time a state was called, like two days later, I would like text all of the teachers. Um, yeah, because it was crazy, addicting, and and fun to watch. And like, who did
1: you watch? Who were your? Who got you through it? Steve Kornacki.
0: I love a CNN. I love a John King, Silver Daddy, and his maps. Mm-hmm. I love um, Anna Navarro. I love I like I'm here for CNN. I know it's totally biased, but like I love me a Don Lemon. I love me a Chris Cuomo.
1: Like. Oh my God. Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo, like that Saturday night uh-huh. was just like, the. I was like, if this is how they are all the time, I should be watching because we're, yeah. yeah.
0: We have discussed several times on this podcast, my feelings on a drunk Don Lemon. Yeah. <laughs> I live for a drunk Don Lemon. So yeah, I was, I was just glued to the TV all week long. And then ironically, Saturday morning, when uh, I was kind of taking a break from all of it,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna take a minute and maybe like bake some banana bread and like just be in my space and not turn on the TV yet." And then my phone started blowing up, and I was like, "Oh my god, did I miss it? I missed it."
2: Um, and
1: you, you actually were the one gave me the news. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, so we're we're gonna talk about um, my we watched Operation Christmas Drop, which we'll talk about in a minute. We were we just finished it, and then you texted me like, "Oh my god." the news. And so I was like, mom, turn, turn it Yay! live. And so yeah, well, I appreciate you. Um,
0: thank you. I appreciate you. I'm happy. I could be the bearer of good news finally. Um, Cause it was weird. Like there was some, something on an election night that started to feel like eerily reminiscent of 2016. And all of us had, you know, such awful P- PTSD from, from 2016. We were also blindsided by that. And And so, like, when it started to look like states were turning red, it was just like, oh, it was such a crappy feeling. And I went to bed thinking, like, oh, God, this isn't going to happen again, is it? And then the next day it was kind of like, oh, wait, maybe.
1: Maybe Maybe maybe, Texas will flip.
0: (laughs) Maybe maybe Biden's still in this. Okay, who knows? And then it was, like, more and more hopeful. It was like, oh, thank fucking God. Mm
1: -hmm. I, I saw, like, a TikTok of, like, this guy Who had like a picture of Pennsylvania up, Mm -hmm. and then he was like he had a candle, and it was like some spell in Spanish. It was like a (laughs) escuchen las palabras de las brujas, and I'm like, ah! I was like, hey, when we're all working together,
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. SNL pulled off like the most amazing costuming feat ever, uh, which like articles were written about this because. They called the election that morning, right? So all day. And that was so cool too, to just see this immediate joy and dancing in the streets and people kind of still celebrating safely. And yes, there were crowds, which, you know, made me nervous, but also like everyone was masked and respectful and it was joy and it was like a weight had been lifted. So it was so lovely to see that. And then that evening Kamala and Joe Biden gave their like, speeches right where they accepted or they what what
1: they accept i mean it's supposed to be an acceptance speech yeah. but is it acceptance if there was no concession i think is the <laughs> yeah
0: there's still no con- there's still no concession a month later mm-hmm. but
1: the constitution like, doesn't need it but like yeah so they, they basically gave their acceptance speech yeah.
0: so kamala walks out in a flawless head-to-toe cream suit and a nude pump and she, and like a pussy bow, right? Nod to all of the suffragettes, to the RBGs. We honor you, ladies. Yes, we have a vagina in the White House. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So She, she is
1: a heartbeat speech. away.
0: Oh my God. And literally because Joe Biden is older than dirt. So, um, So from the time she gave that speech to the time SNL aired in New York... I think it was a total of like two to three hours or something like that. And the SNL costumers head to toe, like completely recreated Kamala Harris's look. And I read articles about how they like took an existing costume and they had to completely like, take apart a whole suit, seams and all. And then they had like several different seamstresses working together. And they were like, nowhere in Hollywood could you find this kind of work this fast at this level of talent. Like it was bananas. And they finished it with like a moment to spare. And they were like, wait, hold on. She needs her flag pin. And they put the pin on her and she walked out and Maya Rudolph walked out to do it. Like... That's art. That is how yeah. we do this, right? Like that was an amazing moment in pop culture. And it was a costume that like no one would think how many people were employed and stressed and and pushed by that moment. And it was exciting.
1: I know. And for for what we saw as like, oh, you know, a very seamless transition. For you know how much screen time that Maya Rudolph like all of that work and stress for just like eight minutes of yeah. her being on screen,
0: exactly, yeah, thrilling. Also thrilling that night was Big Daddy Biden jogging out to the podium.
1: Yes. I was like, oh, he's he is spry. At,
0: like, look at how fit I am. Look at how much energy I still have. Yeah. I'm young, I swear. Check it out. What?
1: I know. Mm-hmm. We got, like, fireworks. We had drones. <laughs> we had like
0: whole show. Here for it. Loved it.
1: And the whole, like, all of the Biden kids. Well, the ones, you know, still with us. But, like, yeah. just, like, huge family. And I'm like, oh, my God. Look. All the people, like. A, a family full of hope. Yeah, exactly. They look yeah. like they love each other. Only
0: that's not just, they're for business purposes. Yay. Exactly.
1: <laughs> they're a family that's not going to be indicted together.
0: Also, <laughs> we're assuming that if you listen to us at all, that you are not a Republican. So, and if you are a Republican, you're not faulting us for the things that we say.
1: Yeah. Because this okay. is, we the, the, yeah, we are listening.
0: That so there. Yeah.
1: If you haven't, I mean, you can also like fast forward, like there's nothing stopping you. Absolutely. So
0: free to skip ahead. Absolutely. yeah, um, So yeah, that was kind of a, a, like I feel like the first two weeks of November, I was just like, we're totally devoted to, to that, to CNN and mm-hmm. to how all of this played out. And, and then it was exhausting. Cause after, after like that Saturday, right. Everyone just crashed because we had just been, like holding our breath the whole week, you
1: know. Holding our breath for four years, yeah, like
0: really, really, I know. Yeah, so now it feels a little lighter,
1: and 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 some cool things happened here. I mean, like San Diego has the like has its first openly gay um, openly gay mayor, and it's like the like the m- like of the cities of the certain population, this is a big, this is a big thing for us Mm -hmm. who was endorsed by Kamala Harris. So, you know, there's, there were things that happened um, that, you know, again, the arc, what did Don Lemon say? The arc of justice, what this is a Martin Luther King quote, but like the arc of justice, you know, moves toward uh, arc of uh, the universe moves toward justice and good. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we're, we're seeing that again.
0: Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it really does. The pendulum swings. And so we've spent the past four years just in turmoil and ending with, you know, the world imploding. And hopefully now this is, you know, a, a bright light and, a you know, a way out of it a little bit. And so we're starting to see hope again, which is good and right. And also to commemorate that season four of The Crown came
1: out. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, hey Joe, are you a homosexual?
1: Yes. You about the
0: royal line?
1: <laughs> I do care. I think I care more about I think I care more about the Royals like post crown uh-huh. than I had done before. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like now I care.
0: I'm confused about who the heir apparent might be. I mean, throw that question over to a gay because they're going to yeah. be-
1: Exactly. Because half the people that work in there are gay themselves. I mean, or, you know, they're British, but
0: they keep that monarch. The whole monarchy is covered in diamonds and gems and jewels. They're <laughs> all gay.
2: We love it.
1: You know, um, uh, talk yeah. about like a, a, a person who's overly concerned with what's right in a situation.
2: Yeah.
1: That's a gay, like,
0: <laughs> uh-huh. um, what were your thoughts on season four?
1: Um, you know, it was good. It's probably my second favorite season.
0: Was three your favorite season?
1: Three was my favorite season.
0: Same. I see.
1: Thank you for seeing me, my sister, because everyone's like, I miss Claire Foy. That was when the queen was likable. And I'm like, no, I want the queen when she's complicated. Like, Mm
0: -hmm. I want a complex queen. I still stand by the episode. Um,
1: Aber. what was it? Aber yes. (laughs) The, the, The kid, right? Abba Van, yes.
0: Yeah, that was like, I think nothing has stayed in my head like that singular episode of The Crown from season three. Um, And I still think about that often and very often. Um, And I think that season four did a really beautiful job of now aging up um, uh, the queen And bringing her to this next phase of where Mm -hmm. we're going to see her next for the next two seasons, right? Olivia, Mm -hmm. who's playing the queen now? Olivia something.
1: Olivia (laughs) Coleman now, but the (laughs) new queen is Imelda Imelda Staunton. Staunton. Yes. Dolores Umbridge herself.
0: I am dead. I cannot wait.
1: And Jonathan Price, of course, Jonathan Price. Oh, like
0: God. So
1: it was going to be Jonathan Price or James Cromwell. Like we all knew this, right?
0: We know, we know. I'm so here for it. Um, so we have to talk about the Diana. <sighs> I mean, season four of The Crown is Diana's season. It's when we meet her, and really, like, are introduced to all of, like, it kind of brought up all of the old skeletons of of the um, the royal family, which is why they're so heated about these, the more current seasons coming out now, because I think the earlier seasons felt historic to them too, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. But like, this is the, this is the monarchy that a lot of us know yeah. because are like, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, oh God, what did you think of Diana?
1: Um, Emma Corrin did a really good job. I thought she held her own, Especially because, like, she's playing against... I mean, Josh O'Connor is a force and so talented.
2: Two of them. Yeah. They're
0: so phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And his, like, again, like, I, I think I said... I don't know who I texted in um, when I was watching season three. But I was like, oh, my God, are we trying to make Charles, like, a sympathetic figure?
0: Mm-hmm. Until you see why he's a bastard later on. Yeah.
1: It, exactly. And then I'm like, oh, now we, like, I get it. But, like, that... Again, it's the kind of thing that you can only do with a show like this where that's concerned with, like, an episodic structure as opposed to, like, a movie where you just... You you have your preconceived notions moving in. Uh-huh. But, like, with this, we got to see Charles be, like, from... I mean, my two favorite episodes are Aberfan and then the one that takes place in Wales.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And it's just like, yeah, we get to see what happens. And then you you see how, like, just... Awful he was, but then you also see,
0: was and you see where it comes from.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you see where it comes from, but then you can also see how, like, in some points, you're kind of like, Yeah, I can see why Charles would say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? Oh my god,
1: famous. You have a good favorite moment
0: (laughs) from the crown
1: from the seat from the season from season four.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm
1: sure you can guess mine.
0: (laughs) Can I guess yours?
1: You may, you might be able to. I don't know.
0: I'm now trying to like think back on this season. I think their their Australia episode, mm. that when they went to the Australia tour and they really like in very like so much detail went into like all of the stops of their tour there. That was really pretty phenomenal, and I stand by the fact that side by side pictures of Costuming, hair, and makeup—like no one does wigs and period pieces like *The Crown*. It is—if you see side-by-side photos of um, Charles and Diana's wedding day, like yeah, bananas—they're like two a two. Their it's
1: engagement, cool. so like
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What was your favorite? What's Um
1: <laughs> Um, all I ask of you on their anniversary. <laughs> When she, when Diana sings oh, when with at the West End.
0: Oh my God. I forgot about that. No, when she danced to Uptown Girl.
1: Oh, that was, that was that like, was I'm fun. like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then when she did that, I'm like, oh no. And yes. yeah. And it's just, and he's so mortified. Like, that's the oh. thing is that like. Yeah. And I started think about him like, oh my, because it, it really legitimately made me think like, is she doing this because this is her? It's for her, but it's for him. But she obviously loves him. You know what I mean? Like
2: yeah. well, the kind
1: of gifts that you give someone where it's I really about you and not about what
2: them. Really did
0: like like paint so clearly was the fact that she was a child. Mm-hmm. He was not. She was nineteen, and he was thirty-one. Like yo. Of course that marriage wasn't going to work. She was a baby. Mm-hmm. He did not know herself at all before she went married into the most infamous family in the world. You know, like that's insane. Um, yeah. And he was old enough to know better. And mm-hmm. It also really painted so clearly the fact that he had been in love with Camilla for his whole life. Yeah. And it took him until he's how old now, to finally be with her openly, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's just vanity.
1: And mummy is probably just like, ah, whatever <laughs> you're yeah, going to be king. Yeah.
0: Well, what's interesting is that him marrying Camilla present day is the same thing that Edward was abdicated for when the throne was abdicated. For, right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Married a divorcee.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, it's funny. Like it kind of shows how the times have changed, but also how um, they haven't.
1: Yeah. Well I mean we could have had Nazi King, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because I was like, okay, is she gonna warm up to the idea? Is this the season where she warms up to the idea of divorce? Because like we still see like an Elizabeth that's very much at odds with her family versus her duty. Her duty. Mm Um, the Margaret stuff, the like family members they kept in the, in the rafters. Like,
0: God, I know I loved how she had to like have lunch with all of her children to figure out which one she liked the best.
1: (laughs) I was like, yes, that is so, and I was like, Oh my God.
0: My parents, I'm like, listen, every parent has a favorite kid. I know (laughs) that. And my mom was like, no, we don't. I was like, you are such a filthy liar. And dad Dad was like, that's not true. I'm like, no, it's totally true. (laughs) Then. And then they kind of agreed with me. So <laughs>
2: I'm
0: like, "We're not stupid. We know." Absolutely. Yeah,
1: and, and Andrew was such an asshole. I'm like, "Oh my yeah. god! This is where Andrew. This is where Andrew marries Fergie, and he was such an asshole."
0: Uh huh. I you know. Well, and that's why later he went on to get involved with Jeffrey Epstein and and prostitutes and were sex workers.
2: <laughs> uh. There you, go. There you
0: go royalty and how they clean it up. Um okay, so also speaking of beautiful British period dramas, I would like to put forth to you The Queen's Gambit.
1: Oh, you're the fourth queen who's gambited me to, to try this uh felt this series.
0: Okay. Here's the thing. You're going to watch it and then you're going to think that you know how to play chess.
1: <laughs> well, I I actually well, I mean, I was never in a chess club, but I oh. do know how to play chess, but not in <laughs> Mm-hmm. Not in the way that, like, I've seen the memes of, like, her, like, people looking at, like, you know, Connect Four or Monopoly with the same intensity that Anya okay. Taylor-Joy is looking at.
0: Uh-huh, totally. I'm, like, I finished the series and I was, like, oh, yeah, I get it. I can totally be a competitive chess player now. Yeah, uh-huh, totally. Um. I cannot. But I'll tell you what I could do. I could certainly wear those clothes. Oh, my God. Her costume is amazing. All of her costuming was really, really beautifully done.
1: You can rock a bang.
0: <laughs> I have rocked a bang. I can rock all the hairs. <laughs> all of them. There, you know, there were moments in the series that were problematic. Um, but it's also full of, like, cameos that are delightful, you know, like, and familiar faces of, like, child actors who have now grown up.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, so
0: the kid who was, like, the little kid in Love Actually.
1: Yes, Game of um,
0: Thrones, he was. A,
1: uh, I was going to say his name as his uh, Game of Thrones character, but yes, that kid.
0: <laughs> that kid, also the kid who played um, Dudley Dursley.
1: Yes, he's he's kind of hot.
0: He's kind of hot. He's got. He got a
1: long bottomed
0: episode, but that's part of it. Um, mm. And yeah, it's really good. It's real good, and it's fucked up, and it touches on mental health, and. Um, a lot of mental health stuff, but um, it's, it's really beautifully done. It's, it's worth a watch. It's a quick series to watch.
1: Okay. All right. How many episodes? And it's a mini series, right? It's not going to be.
0: It's a limited series. Yeah. It's done. Awesome. Um, I think there were six.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can do that.
0: Yeah. I think there were six. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Talk to me about what you have watched.
1: Well, I have watched, so this was totally a throwaway, and I was like, "It looks fun. I'm gonna do it." And then, little did I know, it's gonna get hooked. Um, I want to talk to you about the flight attendant. Okay. On HBO Max, mm-hmm. um, and the flight attendant um, is the show starring Kaylee Cuoco of um, a Big Bang Theory fame. It's her first like major. Uh, Project out you know leaving Big Bang Theory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she plays This uh, flight attendant who is this good Time girl uh, Basically an alcoholic She has this Very intense uh, Whirlwind uh, One night stand with a with one of Her passengers wakes up Next to him the next morning completely Hungover has no idea what happened the night Before and he has his throat Slit and she's yeah, so he's, like, she's in a hotel room in a foreign country with a dead body.
0: Oh, is this a And, comedy? This,
1: and this is, it's kind of dark. It's, like, mystery thriller. I would say it's a black comedy in many okay. respects.
0: Is it a movie but or a
1: series? It is a series. It's also a limited series. It's based on a novel
2: okay. of the same name. Mm-hmm.
1: And she does a really good job of playing, like, a woman who is just, like, a mess. Mm-hmm. Um... And but like there's a lot of nuance on it, nuance in it, and and also Rosie Perez oh. <laughs> is in it as her coworker slash best friend, and this is Rosie Perez. Like I love her for this. I love her in this as well.
0: Oh, I love me some Rosie Perez.
1: And she's got her own stuff going on, but she plays, I mean, Rosie Perez is like a sassy flight attendant I'm already here for, but like Rosie Perez is like this very nuanced character outside of that. Plus she speaks Korean. Like, oh. yeah, in the, in the film, she speaks Korean. Oh. So this is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's a really fun show. Um, I forget what, I, I forget how to pronounce her first name. You watch girls, right?
2: Um, I know. Uh, it's
1: David Mamet's daughter who was in girls Sosha, Zosha, Sosha whatever her name is Mamet okay. is in it um yeah. and she's very fun she plays her um Kaylee Quoco's best friend/lawyer Slash lawyer. Oh. um and it's 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 just it's very self-aware of its own um kind of I, I heard a review of it that was like the flight attendant is self aware of how much of a throwaway it is, but like it also like reels you in and not for nothing. I mean, it's like also beautiful locales. So it like makes you long for the days of travel
2: oh, um, because
1: like they're, they go to Bangkok, they go to Rome, they go to all these different places and beautiful. and yeah, so it has that kind of, if you like jet setty, uh, thrillery, whodunit type mysteries. You are oh. gonna like this.
2: Well,
0: speaking and... of whodunits, um, can I interject this this new one? And we did not discuss this. I like just added it to our list right now.
1: I was, I looked at the list and I was like, why is this not on here? Because I know I, that you
0: like as you we, we were talking. I was like, why did I not put this on this list? Oh my god! Um, speaking of the whodunit, especially the whodunits on HBO, we got to talk about the Undoing.
2: Mm.
0: hugh grant and nicole kidman did you watch this series
1: i have not watched the undoing i am also spoiled on the undoing so i know who undoes everything
0: (laughs) if you have watched it or if if it was spoiled for you already then i can't imagine that it would have the same kind of psychological like like torture of watching this like what the fuck am i watching um Here's, here was my experience with The Undoing. I did not watch it at all as it was on, like, for the whole month, right? And it mm-hmm. was a very short series, only six episodes. Um, so I hadn't seen any of it. And then that, what was it, like, a Sunday? Like, the last day it came out, um, I... It was like the afternoon. It was like five, six o'clock or something. And I was like, there's nothing on. Oh, maybe I'll watch The Undoing. Maybe I'll see what like everyone's talking about the final episode on tonight. All right, whatever. So I started watching episode one at six o'clock. And I did not move from my couch until I was done with that goddamn series. (laughs) At like 1130 or midnight. And it was intense.
1: My God.
0: (laughs) It was. Here's the thing, and I'm not saying anything about who does it or what, but um, Hugh Grant, 90s heartthrob, now very aged out of his 90s heartthrobbing, except he's still charming as fuck, and so he still reads like 90s heartthrob. How did he do that?
1: Yeah, I heard like people were calling for... um... Hugh Grant to be nominated for an uh, an Emmy award for this.
0: I um, do feel like he could he could really pull that off.
1: I saw the gif of like Donald Sutherland saying cocksucker like
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to mention Donald Sutherland like there are some huge huge performances in this. So Donald Sutherland is in this. Um
1: this is awful, but I'm say Black, Herm- Black Hermione. Black Hermione. I was like, I know who you're talking about because I, I I can't remember how to pronounce her name. more I will look it up. I will look Jesus it up right said,
0: now. I don't want to fuck this name up, but I know her as Black Hermione because I saw her on the West End playing her. I am
1: not going to look her up, listener. I am not going to look her up as Black Hermione in Google. I'm going to go somewhere else to find her.
0: And in other news, I am awful. Thanks. Um, but... Donald Sutherland is in it. Nicole Kidman is in it. Um, obviously. Uh, Black Hermione is in it. Hugh Grant. There's some just some really like banging performances in this that are just phenomenal. Um, Nicole Kidman's hair and wardrobe was a choice. <laughs>
1: I've, I've heard that as well.
0: Yeah. It was a choice. She had some like days of thunder hair going on, except a little like older and more dated. And I don't understand like how she looks younger now than she did then um, because her face is so incredibly Botoxed. But bless her, she's still doing it. And it occurred to me, Josephine Baker, that Nicole Kidman falls into the category of actresses that I really think that I hate, but I (gasps) do. Really? And who else fell into this category for me? Renee Zellweger? Yes. <laughs> and Reese Witterspoon?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And I feel like I should hate them. I should not enjoy them, but I love everything that they do.
1: You know who falls into this category for me? Mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway.
0: <gasps> We've discussed this before. Yeah. Yes. yes, we have.
1: Because <laughs> I know someone, one of, one of our friends I know hates Anne Hathaway. Uh-huh. And then... I'm like I don't understand, and part of me was like I don't understand why. <laughs> How could you, you know, hate Princess Mia? Bride Wars,
0: right? What was the, that movie? The Bride Bride
1: Wars with um <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> yes, yes. So Black Hermione is Noma Thank and you. and I was like I this is not that hard to pronounce. So no, you know.
0: it's not. But her name was escaping me, and she yes, is phenomenal. And someone on Twitter was like, whoever cast Noma in The Undoing thank you for this. Or like, like you've made her 2020 or something to that effect, because she's just phenomenal.
1: Well, she plays the, what a a judge, a barrister or something like she plays
0: the uh, defense lawyer. Yeah. It's it's not a British comedy and she, or it's not a British uh, show. And she's, um, she's not British in this. So she applies an American accent.
1: Oh, okay, Noma. Showing range.
0: Some range, some range. Um, but she's she's so bomb. Yeah. We have a Connie Chung um, appearance, a little cameo in there, a little, like, news interview spot. It's just, ugh. It was just, like, really compelling. Now, that said, with the undoing, I have, for as many people as we're, like, glued to the TV and floored by the show... I also know people that were like, I fucking hated this. Like, <laughs> I tried to watch two episodes of this and I can't. And that is exactly how I feel about succession.
1: Oh, okay. See, I've not heard anything bad about either. So
0: uh, yeah. I, I still can't finish succession at all. Like I hate it. Um,
1: well, so okay. Succession is rich white nonsense, right? Like, I mean,
0: yes, it is. but it has Kieran Culkin in it and I love him and, um, but it's also rich white nonsense and I just can't. It's so it's so awful. Anyway, but to me, it's so awful. But so many people are like goo goo gaga over it and I don't get My it. My
1: parents loved it. They love succession. You
0: and, well you and
1: I mean, I also did not watch it with them.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, your parents and I are in a fight then. Let them know that. <laughs>
1: I was like, well, they like they like Succession and Ozark. They do like Wish White Nonsense.
0: I've seen, yeah, I've never seen Ozark. But I will get into it eventually, I'm sure. Um, all right. Moving out of The Undoing. If you wanted to have like a quick binge, though, and see what I'm talking about, I would suggest it.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Talk about your next one.
1: Yeah, so um, the fourth season of Big Mouth came up uh, over the weekend, or came up... Um, At the end of the month, the end of uh, November. And I got to tell you, it is hilarious. I mean, I also... So let me... uh, You know, Miss Wendy has admittedly not seen an episode of Big Mouth. Uh -uh. And I don't know if you should. (laughs) Okay. And I say that as... as, Since you are an educator of pubescent children people, Uh uh I don't know if you necessarily want to watch it. Because Uh it's... So the point of it is that it's a, it's a show. It stars Nick Kroll and uh, John Mulaney, and they play um, boys who are going. Animated? Yeah, it's animated. Got it. Okay. And they play um, all the adults are voiced, but by... all the children are voiced by adults, but they um, basically play these uh, kids who are going through puberty. And it's a very honest, vulgar um, exploration of like what that kind of hormone like all of those hormones. I mean, they have like hormones incarnated as monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of I people would are in it.
0: Probably get like a real big kick out of it, actually. So.
1: I- I, I, you might, you, you, you honestly might. Cause I, I love it. And they say like, it is so filthy, but it also with the parts where it gets really sincere, it really hits well. Like they did an entire episode that they called the Planned Parenthood episode in uh, that was in the previous season. In this season, there's an episode um, about like four hand jobs, like, <laughs> and um, one of the the main girl, uh, Jesse, uh, in the show, her like vagina is like played by Kristen Wig. like her vagina has a mind of its own. But um, the reason why I'm bringing up Big Mouth is because Big Mouth was uh, in the news over the summer because one of the characters... Um, missy is played by jenny slate and has been played by jenny slate for the last three seasons jenny slate said that she was leaving the show and saying like i am leaving big mouth because missy who is biracial and that's one of the reasons why they felt that they were she was able to do that character said like no this is like let's you know hand this over Exactly. So what's interesting is that they do address, um, they do address Missy's blackness in an episode of the show. Um, her cousins played by Lena Waith. like, it's just so it's so honest and so awesome. But it also highlights the problematic nature of who voices Missy, because uh-huh. they say the N word very casually, and they yeah. like are trying to get her to say it. And she's like, No, I don't say that. I really don't think I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the series, the new voice of Missy comes out and she has this awakening, but like the new voice of Missy played by Iowa Debery, um, who is a like hilarious black comedian.
0: So with Big Mouth, do you feel like the transition between the two voices was, was, um, uh, I want to say like done justice. Did it like? the story were you excited about it or what
1: you know they didn't really so in season four of crazy ex-girlfriend the a character that left in season two comes back as a different actor and they made that a point a plot point they were like oh wow he looks so different and they're like no it's the same guy but she like is seeing him in a different way perceives him differently because he went to rehab and all that stuff so i think that with with this though i don't they didn't do any of that they just like they didn't do it as drastically it was a little more seamless cool. and so but at, at, at a certain point it's just like oh well now this person missy's voice is a little different and you can hear that that's where io started to, t- to take over nice which is fine like which is fine and i thought that was really great um but yeah i mean like josie toda is also back um Josie Tota, who was in the last season of Glee and she was also um, in Champions on NBC. Um, she is a trans actress and she plays a trans character. Yes. Um yes. Mm-hmm. And which I have one more thing to add that I'm going to add it and then okay. we can come back to it. But good. good, yes,
0: our list for November just keeps growing because all we are doing is watching shit from our couches. That is all we have to talk about all the time. I knew you were going to add this. Yes, I'm so glad. I'm glad you're adding this because I've heard things about this. Wait a second. Um, <laughs> do you feel like we've covered Big Mouth? Can we move on?
1: Yes, let's move on.
0: All right, I'm going to bring us now into books, and then yes. we go back to television.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, as you and the Sevens know, I am a voracious reader as discussed last month when I could not stop raving about the meaning of Mariah Carey. And I needed everybody to read her goddamn memoir because it's so fucking good. And Oh my God. So this month, the only book I read in November, because it was a huge ass tome was a promised land by Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And I read the entire thing and he is such a, I mean, we know that he's brilliant, but he is such a gifted writer as well. And the way, like the beautiful thing about this book, and it takes you through his, you know, he kind of touches on like his early life a little bit, but he really covered that in his earlier memoirs. So he talks a little bit about his, um, his early runs in politics, you know, his early Mm -hmm. campaigns. And so it takes you through his, his state elections and then his, uh, his Senate seat election and then it takes you obviously through his entire um presidential campaign and victory etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So the book only takes you through uh the capture and kill of bin laden. So this is volume 1 of his memoirs. So we are not even at the end of his first term at the end of this volume. But the the beautiful thing about the way he writes is that um he writes with such depth and such, um, honesty, but he's also somehow balances this line where he writes really objectively too. He kind Mm. of thinks from the outside. And so, I mean, obviously we know where he stands politically and what he believes in, but the way that he writes about it, it's like, he's seeing it from the outside. And that was like a kind of really, uh, fascinating observation for me to read. And then he also kind of has these, um, you know, he doesn't just tell you about his presidency. He's also like reflects on humanity and what it means to be human and, and what it means to be a father and also to be an American. And so there's just a lot in there that was just so lovely. And, and it was also really poignant to read it because it was released on November 17th, which was about 10 days after Joe Biden was, announced the projected winner of the election. So knowing now that we were kind of coming back into like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, his vice president now becoming our president elect um, felt really hopeful to kind of read this and think, okay, good. We have good things coming back to us now. Um, So it was, was a huge book to get through, but it was so worth it. And I'm really excited to see when his second volume is going to come out. I don't know when, but I'll be there. So.
1: so it's going to be multiple books.
0: I think it's going to be two volumes. He said, because he says in his introduction that he, um, after his presidency ended, after they left the White House, he and Michelle took some time off. They traveled a bit. They relaxed. They unwound. And he said by the end of their journeys, he had his whole memoir mapped out in chapters and sections in his head. And he writes out everything longhand in um, on like a yellow steno pad. And he's mm. like, I just, I need to see things written out that way because he finds even like writing on a computer is too, it gives him too much permission to like edit and censor himself. So um, he said that when he was mapping out the course of this book, he realized very quickly that. He's a very wordy writer and doesn't like to edit himself. And so it was very quickly clear that it was going to become two volumes. So,
1: mm, so okay,
0: expect a second volume. I don't know when, but there it Things is.
1: Things to look forward to.
0: Things to look forward to. But ooh, it's a good book. And you know, we've spent so much time talking about becoming Michelle's memoir, which was such a pivotal moment uh last year.
1: Last year? Yes. Right. It was yeah, it was.
0: God, that seems like five years ago now. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah. So I'm excited to see kind of, like, the press and what what comes of, you know, all of this, this memoir from him. Awesome. All right. Please discuss Tell Our Sevens what you've just added to our list.
1: I added the Saved by the Bell reboot on Peacock.
0: Talk to me about
2: it.
1: So... So the say by the bell. So say by the bell, right? The infamous, oh, oh, I
2: know.
1: iconic show from the nineties. Zach so Morris,
0: real time, y'all.
1: Um, I remember watching uh, say. Oh, I remember watching Say by the Bell with my sisters every Saturday morning on TNBC. Uh
2: huh.
1: Um, but we watched later. We watched like you know the new class, like uh-huh. those, and then. Which somehow like Screech is still employed at the school and all that stuff. Um, Dustin Diamond is not is not in this, um, but it's fine.
0: He went on to have like a really tragic life, didn't he? he was, like, yes, he poor, did. He was like poor, and he was like trying to like raise money. And did he end up in
2: jail or something? Or
1: I I don't know, but like they they do mention him, but like it's it it's very. I think we forget. Because like Dustin Diamond was a f- was like a tragic figure in like early two thousands mm-hmm. reality, like the surreal life, you name it, he was on it.
0: Yeah, um, right. Yeah, he was. But, for like notoriety, to,
1: exactly to,
0: to stay. Ex- f- yeah,
1: exactly. He was like that. He was like that Urkel, like mm-hmm. the show. Um, except the show didn't entirely revolve around him. It just you know he just happened to be there. So. With this, though, um, with this reboot, we do get um, we do get appearances by Slater and Jesse, Kelly, and Zach, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new... Belding. Do
0: we have a Lisa? Do we have a Mr. Belding?
1: We have a Lisa cameo. We have no Mr. Belding.
0: I saw a cameo by Max.
1: Max is still at the Max, yes. Got it. Okay. Um, but the thing that I love about this show is that this show is entirely self-aware of what it was, and it spoofs and makes fun a little bit of you know what it was, mm-hmm. and w- while still kind of addressing the like modern aspects of it. So yeah. to to not spoil, I'm not giving you too many spoilers because it's really fun. So we have um. In current day, Zach Morris is the governor of California, mm-hmm. and um, he actually is the villain <laughs> in many respects really? in this in this series. So what happens is that the he he has to close down schools. So Zach Morris, the Republican governor of California, closes down schools and. Um, the school, the underfunded schools, half the underfunded uh, uh, schools in, in California get closed down. And these kids have to be bused an hour to the more affluent Bayside uh, in the Palisades. Mm. And so it's the tension between the kids of the old school, the Doug Douglas high school, and now having to like find a place and, you know, reinvent themselves in um, around rich kids in Bayside high school. Mm -hmm and so like and then like it's funny because the kids at Bayside are just completely clueless like they are the hyper versions of what the Bayside kids were back in the original series mm-hmm. you know pulling over all these kinds of hijinks and everything and like the kids who from Douglas are like super real like you have Daisy who is this like latina student who who she's the main figure and she does the timeouts she's oh. like she's like time out. Do you know what this white woman just said to me? Like,
0: <laughs> "Ooh, yeah, I heard like really good things about this reboot. Did you enjoy it overall?"
1: I enjoyed it overall, and I thought that it was like the thing I liked about it was that it reminded me a lot of the it reminded me a lot of the Brady Bunch movies from the 90s. Uh-huh. That like were tributes but also completely like you know they had their sincerity to a certain point but they were also complete parodies mm-hmm. and so with this I think that they're doing that as well and also kind of poking fun about like what we thought at the time like teen programming was uh-huh. um you have oh my god so you, so this is another way that you have Lexi Toda so oh, sorry Lexi is played by Josie Tota. Again, so this is a very good season. She's also a producer on this. I heard, uh uh-huh. And it's just so... Her character is so good. She cuts with a knife. She also plays a trans character... And um, I do love Elisa, uh, Elizabeth Berkeley Lauren and Mario Lopez. Their work at the school. So she's a counselor, mm-hmm. and married with a kid who is basically the kind of AC Jesse combo of okay. the group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Slater plays the football coach.
0: Are they still together?
1: They are not, and that Ooh, is ten. Yeah. And there is tension there. Oh, so um, Cheyenne, Cheyenne be- Jackson plays her husband, um, oh, which is hilarious. All right. <laughs>
0: this is going to be homework for me. I'm going to do that.
1: Yes, but you can do this in like a night as well. This is your, you can have an undoing night. And I thought it was super hilarious and very much like, this is how reboots can and should happen.
0: That is exactly what I've heard because reboots, such a bad rap. And so what I heard about Saved by the Bell was that this is a reboot that does it right. Yeah. That alone has kind of made me curious because especially when you have such, um like a, a nostalgic attachment to something you don't want to watch a reboot that's gonna fuck all that up for you you know like i exactly have no desire to watch like a new punky brewster thank you very much no <laughs> but like see, by the bell was also like so pivotal in my t- not pivotal but it was so important to me as a kid you know so i don't want to yeah paint that but I'm
1: excited to see this reboot. Yeah. I mean, like it, it, it's, they address like every episode has a joke about caffeine with Jesse. Yes. Like she's just like, she like slaps pills out of someone's hand yes. and she's like, no. And she wrote a book about it. And, nice. um, and then there's like, to, it's like or, someone gets her a, a coffee and he's like, is this decaf? You know, I can't have caffeine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's amazing. Good. I love that. Elizabeth Berkeley has a, that we live in a world that gives her another shot at things. you know yes,
1: and I want your th- I want your thoughts. So when you do watch it, I do want your thoughts. I I mean, maybe not like dancing with the stars live, when have
0: I ever but like my thoughts on things. Yes. when I watch things that I'm like, ooh, this queen, you need to watch this. <laughs> you are the person I text with that stuff. So yeah, awesome. I'm gonna tell you this also. That I really enjoyed. Again, it's a thing you can watch in a day if you're down. Uh, Voices of Fire on Netflix. Have you heard about this?
1: I have not, but it sounds. um, It's what does it sound? I don't. I don't know what it sounds like. So please tell me.
0: Voices of Fire, produced by Pharrell. Okay. And it is um, the quest for to get like the best gospel singers.
1: Oh goodness! Okay.
0: One powerhouse, um, integrated, diverse gospel choir. Uh, and I forget where they are in North Carolina or Tennessee. Like one of those, one of those, I'm not sure. Can you look that up for me real quick?
1: Um, sure.
0: Okay. But Voices of Fire is a couple of episodes of auditions only the auditions alone will make you weep. And I will say this, that like for the six episodes or something that it had the front end of it, like the front end of auditions was my favorite
1: part. of it. Virginia Hamptons road, Virginia, his hometown.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It was somewhere down there. Um, So yeah, the few episodes that like on the front end, when they were finding the people and these voices and they came in just for cold auditions was like, chilling and they were beautiful and like just you just want to weep over beautiful singers watch voices of fire Um, Mm, okay it ends like with this big huge show that um i don't know it was it it was i but like the actual like piecing together of finding these people and hearing their stories was so beautiful so if you want just like a feel good night and you want to like hear some beauty Okay. Voices of Fire on Netflix. You're welcome. All right. All right. And with November brings you a ton of holiday viewing. So we're going to kind of comb through these pretty quickly and tell us what you've seen. I'll tell you what I've seen. We'll give you like a okay. overview.
1: Be very quickie.
0: Of the holidays and, um, and there you go. Okay. So you start first. What did you get?
1: What are you so I put down, um, and I also did an episode about this on my other podcast, Fright School. So you can listen to a more in-depth conversation about it. But I put down, uh, Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol, um, and this is the newest version that is a filmed stage version of the production that was adapted by Jefferson Mays and Michael Arden. Mm. Um, it actually showed um, regionally at the Geffen Playhouse mm-hmm. last year. And basically Jefferson Mays uh, does all 50 plus characters of A Christmas Carol.
2: Damn.
1: And it is, it is beautiful. Where did like, you it is, Um, I watched it. So they're doing this as a fundraiser. So they, they filmed it in uh, New York on, on a stage uh, at the end of October. And basically they, they put it up so that way it can benefit regional theaters. Uh So I found out about this through the La Jolla Playhouse, which is one of the beneficiaries. But you know, if you, whatever you have a regional theater nearby that has the link for it, you can go and buy a ticket. Um, and they are doing, the tickets are pretty, you know, pretty pricey. You, it would be like what you would pay to see something in the theater. Mm-hmm. However, they are doing, they just came out today with a virtual lottery for it. Oh, cool. And this is happening uh, for $15 tickets, and that's happening until the end of the year. So, right. actually, maybe like the second week of January. Nice. But once you start the stream, you have 24 hours to watch it as many times as you want. Mm. Um. So... I I highly recommend it. It is beautiful. And it's also a very, like, it is a very spooky take on it. And, you know, because A Christmas Carol is, like, the most famous ghost story. Mm -hmm. And so they really really honed in on that.
0: Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. I think we should also mention um, Jingle Jangle came out on Netflix. Yeah. Which neither of us have watched. I actually want to wait until, like, a Christmas Eve or Christmas day to watch that um, because it looks like a big glittery game musical and it's black Christmas, which is going to be exciting. So um, yeah. And I've heard really good things about it. I've heard it startling. So I'm excited.
1: Oh yeah. I, I can't wait to watch it either.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 What was your next one that you watched?
1: Um, so I gotta, I'm going to say this, the operation Christmas drop on Netflix. Now, Operation Christmas Drop uh, is about a congressional aide who finds out that um, whose boss, a congresswoman, played by Virginia Madsen, of all people... um, has to is uh, basically finds out that she needs to close a bunch of military bases in order to save money. And there is a base um, that happens to be uh, where I'm from on the Island of Guam um, that does a, an operation every year called Operation Christmas Drop, where they drop um, supplies um, like, you know, like pots, pans, you know, uh-huh. supplies to the atolls and the more remote islands in the Pacific. This is based on an, Say again?
0: I'm putting it in my queue right now.
1: Yes, please. It is a, this is actually based on something that is uh, for real. This has happened for the last maybe five decades. Uh-huh. Um, it's a coordinated effort. Uh, in modern times, it's a co- it's a joint effort between Japan and Australia's air forces. And everything is 100% donated. But okay. she basically, the aide played by uh, Kat Graham, has to go to Guam to figure out Uh, how she's going to close this base and then, you know, finds love along the way. Ah, of course. Yay! But the cool thing about this, and the reason why I've seen it, like, three times, is because it actually took place A, on Guam, like, they filmed it on the island of where I am from. Mm -hmm. They filmed it on a live and active Air Force base, U.S. Air Force base, which is not something that's happened, um, uh, ever, I think. Um, And uh, some of my like some of my first cousins are like background actors in it, and and a lot of the locations that they shoot there, I've actually been to, and like I remember in my trips going back home, I've like fished on this beach. Um, So this is it's really fun as as far as like representation goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's Hollywood. It's not a true accurate. It's not a movie about the people of Guam it's about the operation got it. so you know there are things that they're not getting right
0: I almost thought it was like a documentary
1: oh no it's like it's like a straight up Christmas like
0: got it
1: exactly Christmas rom-com to the extreme however I will say that it is nice to kind of have this this moment and you know I hopefully this opens up uh you know Hollywood to come back to Guam yeah. when we all are, vaccined, <laughs> are vaccinated.
0: Well, what I watched were um, Christmas on Long Island. Ready? Okay. Um, <laughs> I watched Holiday Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas. So, Mr. Christmas is the gayest gay gentleman to ever Christmas in the history of Christmas. Um, and he just shits glitter all year long. And so I'm not kidding. His, he has like a dog that's named, um, Ebenezer. Oh Lord. (laughs) I'm not kidding. So he, and I think he's like housed in, I don't know, somewhere in the tri state area, but, um, so basically, he, every episode on Netflix starts with him opening a letter to, like, Mr. Christmas, right? Like, he's one of Santa's elves or something. And he goes, come Ebby. And, like, Ebenezer, like, comes onto the couch with him. And he's oh like, Where no this letter from and it's from like some really rich person on Long Island who like needs their house redone and for Christmas or like wants to make this Christmas special because I'm getting married this year and I'm leaving my parents' house and so we need to have like one big last Christmas together and then there was like a firehouse that wanted to honor their um, their late fire chief or one of their late firefighters and like by celebrating Christmas and decorating their whole firehouse. Oh God! I know so like every episode is like on location going to a different house. one episode was um of a a family that had like um mixed religious practices, so it was like a Jewish family who also wanted to honor Christmas as well, so they wanted mm. to celebrate both and how did they kind of honor both celebrations and while they were raising their kids Jewish, they still wanted to celebrate. And decorate for Christmas to honor her husband's traditions, and um, and so, like, I kind of loved that, but like, the extravaganza of him going into the <laughs> with his team, and all of them are just made of gingerbread and like, you know, candy cane earrings. Oh
1: my gosh, I didn't off. know it was like he was like David to like That's exactly like,
0: right. no, no, no. He has like a full team. He like goes in, he's like, all right, team go. And they have like three days or something to like make over a giant mansion. And, and they do because, you know, television and it's all produced, but, but yeah, I was watching it at first and I was like, yeah, this is okay. It was just kind of like fun background noise. And a friend of mine that I worked with told me to watch this because she said, Wendy, there's an episode on long Island. And they all sounded like you. And I thought, oh, yes. and then when I watched it, when I got to that episode, I thought, oh, this, this tracks because the episode was in West Islip.
1: Um I was going to say, was it in West
0: Islip? It was in West Islip, which I did not grow up in West Islip, but my grandparents lived in West Islip. And I spent mm-hmm. every Christmas day of my childhood in West Islip. From, you know, until I was in high school, because uh, I was in like ninth grade when my grandparents moved to Florida, as all grandparents do. But mm-hmm. I spent every single Christmas day in West Slip, So it was like funny to see West Slip Christmas. And there you go. I was like, yeah, this does sound like me. It sounds a lot like me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. I get it. Even though Mr. Christmas, ugh, stop calling yourself Mr. Christmas. I can't deal
1: yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I this this might have to be something that I watch with parents.
0: Oh, oh, you have to watch it with parents. And when you do, you'll be like, listen for Wendy. There you go. it's do
1: like do that's it. what Wendy sounds like. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, Wendy's probably cousins with that person. Yes, do it absolutely. <laughs> Um, I Wendy is
1: Wendy's from Long Island. Is she related to Paul Sorvino? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, all of it. <laughs> <But> like, yes, <laughs> it was all of that. But it wasn't just Long Island. It was also I think they also did a house in Jersey. It was all like tri-state area based. Okay, um, but but it was really the Mister Christmas. The fact that an elder gay calls himself Mister Christmas. And he, I couldn't say elder, but he's like a middle-aged gay. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know.
0: With a dog named Ebenezer.
1: An, an adult has named themselves Mr. Christmas.
0: <laughs> an named himself Mr. Fucking Christmas. Are you kidding me? Mm-mm.
1: All right. Well, I love this.
0: I know. Okay. And then, obviously, we have to talk about the most exciting or slash controversial Christmas film of the year. Uh, yes, was happiest season on Hulu, and this was supposed to get a major motion picture release, right?
1: Yeah, so it w- it was supposed to be one that was going to be in theaters, mm-hmm. like you know. It, so this is what I heard about it. You, haven't my friend, this yet. I, have you seen this mean, yet. I have not seen this yet.
2: I have, but okay,
1: okay. So this is what I heard. I mean, obviously, anything that's like gay is going to have, like, my attention. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that everything is good, right? Mm -hmm. So my friend Jake, who is um, a dear friend, and he's a comedian that lives in uh, Baltimore, Mm -hmm. I asked him what he thought of it, and he said, well, there are gay movies (laughs) that are made for gay people, and there are gay movies that are made for straight people. Somehow, Happiest Season is both, and I'm not mad at it.
0: Huh. That is a really astute and succinct kind of description of this movie because in short, the gays loved it and the lesbians hated it. (laughs) Yes. Lesbian Twitter went off about this. And I'm only from like, just from following what my friends have been like reposting, but they were not happy with, because the central conflict of this. Is an oh no I haven't come out to my parents story.
1: which, which is so like it's so it, that's tired. It's so tired, and we're like we're done with this. I thought yeah, we did yeah, this already.
0: Several civil rights beyond that, right?
1: I know this is also like a movie that has Dan Levy yeah. and Dan Levy, like you know, famously has one of the like artifacts of mainstream culture that is super queer, but it's just you know, it's not anything that they hem and haw about. Mm-hmm. So like to have him in this film as well, like it just seems so strange to me, which is one of the no, reasons why I, mean, I haven't really watched it. Or
0: play a character who, um, you know, who pushes back on the fact that, you know, Kristen Stewart is in this relationship with this girlfriend who's like, you know, hasn't come out yet and all of that. So he's like, eh, you know, like he pushes back on that, that like Kristen Stewart deserves more, et cetera. So he's like the gay side pick, but which is also another trope and, you know, it's like, it was so formulaic and, but it's also a sappy holiday story. And
1: yeah. you know, with, it's got Victor Garber. Victor
0: Garber. Uh, yeah. It,
1: As it's straight.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, there are lots of familiar faces in it. Michelle Buteau has a cute little cameo at the beginning of it. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's holiday crap. It's, you know, it's a good, cute Christmas movie. Apparently, I think there's, I heard that it's getting a sequel.
1: I mean, of course. (laughs) Of course it is. Um,
0: There has to be another Christmas.
1: Yeah, um, I I can't wait. So my plan is that I've put aside a couple movies this year to like wait till watch it together with uh, my boyfriend. So mm-hmm. Happiest Christmas is one of those films that we will be watching together. Now I haven't, we don't know yet if that's going to be same in the same place, or if it's going to be just at the same time. But you know, that's one of the yeah. ones we're going to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yes. Happiest Season. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was still thinking of Mr. Christmas. <laughs>
0: mean easy easy mistake to make um as all of the christmas movies are named essentially the same thing mm-hmm. oh so, yeah there's only so many ways that you can title a christmas movie right it's
1: yeah a prince for christmas a christmas prince
0: the christmas notebook <laughs> right?
1: christmas in vermont right?
0: holiday Cookie.
1: Can you just imagine the Christmas version of every classic film? It's like, it's like the Christmas Godfather.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. There's so much. Absolutely. Um, All right. So moving away from our, and we're not even into like the December holiday films, but really I feel like December is what we reserve for what will be our golden globe nominees and our big award runners, you know, award front runners, you know, and we don't know what award season will look like this year. The Oscars we know have been pushed and, it's, we still haven't had the Tony's. Who knows when that's going mm-hmm. happen? Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But um, yeah, stay tuned and we'll see what happens there. Um, we need to discuss the culmination finale.
1: Yeah, here's the next two hours,
0: everybody. <laughs> our sports. We are not going to talk about this for two hours, I promise. <laughs> We're not going to talk even for 40 minutes about this, I swear.
1: Okay. It's over.
0: It's over. Did you watch the finale? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. I like, oh. I didn't watch live, but yes, I did watch. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'd like to say, I want to start by saying that when this season kicked off, we very publicly posted on our Insta account who our top threes were. Okay. And they were Justina Machado.
1: Justina Machado.
0: Who else? Who, who did you pick? Uh, Johnny Weir. Johnny Weir. We both chose Neve. Uh-huh. And I chose the Bachelorette chick.
1: And I think I chose AJ.
0: No, you didn't. We both had agreed on Neve. We both agreed on just the Yes. three. And then mm-hmm. our third spot we were split on. You said Johnny and I Johnny
1: said- and yeah. that is yes, that makes sense now. Okay. Thank you.
0: Caitlin Bristow, the Bachelorette. So we get to the top four. Okay. Now Nelly made it to the top
1: four. Mm -hmm. He Bobby Bones his way in there.
0: I swear to God, that Bobby Bones clause. God damn it. He Bobby Bones his way up into that top four.
1: The fans love him though.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, there was no Sean Spicer on this season. There
1: was no Sean Spicer. Yeah. There was a Carol. I think Carol Baskin was our Sean Spicer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Might've been our spicy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But that wasn't going to happen though. So, yeah, so Nellie pulled that fourth spot, right Nellie also performed at the finale. Nellie pulled the fourth spot over Johnny Weir. Johnny Weir got booted he was in fifth place and that shouldn't have been. It should have been Johnny in the top four yeah in which case, you and I would have accurately called the top four.
1: I know we were so close, but we didn't we didn't anticipate the star power. <laughs> I know, of now, But, like, first impressions, that was our call. That's pretty ding-dang great.
0: I mean, I will say so. I mean, pat us on the glittery back, yes. We we came through there. Um, okay, so, Nellie performed at the finale.
1: Yes, you had thoughts.
0: <laughs> I had thoughts, Josephine. I had so many thoughts. What are your Did you have thoughts on that?
1: I... Was his performance overshadowed by um, Peta and Pasha? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was also like I was like I don't know who he's performing. Like he was he was performing for someone in his mind because that's the thing that we're still in COVID. There's no audience. It's literally just the crew no and, and no one there.
0: He was performing like he was so hyped, like mm, like he was performing for a full crowd. No, he was performing to an empty dance floor and two ballroom dancers were performing gracefully while he rapped.
2: Like, yeah.
0: Oh God. It was real sad and weird and out of place. and And I just thought like, what's going to happen to your street cred after this? <laughs> like, so
1: well, I think that was kind of the underlying thing of the whole season where it's just like, yeah. you know, he went so far as to find someone to make him custom dancing shoes.
2: Yeah.
1: And I was like, if that's not the most like toxic, fragile, masculine thing, like I've ever seen. Yes. It's oh. like, you can't, I mean, uh, yes, you are the singer, you are the rapper who has the hit air force ones, yeah. but like, you have to wear the dancing shoes, you know. Like
0: and he did, he started to towards the end of the season.
1: Yes, I mean Johnny Weir ran it. I mean, this isn't a stretch, but Johnny Weir did wear a Cuban heel. I think some well, someone wore a Cuban heel, and
0: Johnny Weir wore everything because yes, was, and come on. oh
1: yes, he did.
0: Yes because Scooby-Doo pop-pop, so there you go.
1: And can, can you imagine if he wasn't in the top four? Because Tyra made it a point to say, like, no matter what happens, Nelly will perform at the finale. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, can you imagine if he came back to do that? Like,
0: Well, and that's it, too. It's like, AJ came back. Like, all of them came back, you know? Because everyone... Did
1: Carol come back? I didn't see her.
0: I don't know if I saw her. I don't, I don't...
1: I don't remember seeing her in the ballroom because Jeannie came back, Jeannie you know, recovered back. from surgery.
0: Well, that's the other piece of it, too, is like normally during the finale, all of the original cast dances. Yes. danced this time around.
1: Which could have been logistics because near COVID and all that stuff. But, I mean, they were there, so. Yeah,
0: they were present, so. Yeah. But, I mean, they were probably there without having the rehearsal time to do a finale. Anymore.
1: Very true, very true. So.
0: Okay, so we get down to the, ty- the top four, and I'm assuming now the first person eliminated is going to be Nelly because Nelly was in there as like a mercy fuck, right? You know?
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Let's throw him a bone, whatever. So he was clearly in there by convenience. I was thinking he'd be the first one out, and then mm-hmm. they voted Justina first.
1: Yeah, that was baby back bullshit right there.
0: I, you thought she was going to take it.
1: I thought she was at, if, if I, ha, as we got towards the end and the bachelorette was like more and more proving me wrong, mm-hmm. which like, I did not want to be right. I, I did know. not want, I did not want her to win because uh-huh. it was with just, friend,
0: I was like, her technique is flawless and you didn't want a white lady to win, but I was like, I didn't, didn't
1: want her to win. win. I want the white lady to win. I definitely didn't want Chris from selling sunset to yeah. win, No, but, but like
0: Chris shell is now with your boy. Um, uh, With Alan? <laughs> oh no, 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 not Alan. Who's the um, play name? Uh... Mm-hmm. Hold on. <laughs> I'll figure this out. Okay. Because um, I'm totally... It's a Keo. Oh! Oh! I know. I'm like, I knew... Keo. Oh. It was a Keo. There you go. Yeah. So the two of them are fucking now, so...
1: That's- <gasps>
0: oh! <laughs> Trophy, she got Keo.
1: Go ahead. Okay, we'll go off, Queen.
0: I know. Okay, so now, so Justina got booted. Which fucking sucked, right? So now we have yeah. Ellie, who the mercy fuck, who's now in like the third spot, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He gets booted. So now he's in the third spot, but still, that's stung, The fact that he, like, that yeah. he should have, like,
1: yeah,
0: love Justina sucked.
1: I know, and Justina was like, you know. She was. Uh, I thought her dance she was going to come back to was going to be her salsa because uh-huh. she was so her salsa or her eighties dance. But to have it be, I think it was her cha cha, mm-hmm. was I thought was like a good call.
0: Yeah. She was just fearless all even. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So absolutely fearless.
0: So then it came down to the top two, and it was, um, it was Caitlyn and it was Neve. And mm-hmm. at that point, everyone had been telling Neve like. You're going to be on Broadway now. You're amazing. And he was pulling like straight 10s the whole season and he was really fucking phenomenal.
1: Yeah. It was definitely like they they weren't blowing smoke cuz he was really really good and and I think like, you know, Dancing with the Stars everyone like, there is such a, I hate to say it, but there is such a low bar when it comes to what people's dancing abilities are. Yeah. Like, you, they have to prove themselves. And, like, Neve not only, like, proved himself, but he brought, like, to hear what Jenna said about how, like, he brought the joy of dance back into her oh. life. Right? I was like, okay, well, now you deserve it just for that.
0: (laughs) I know. I mean, he really was. And he was such a light on that stage Mm -hmm. every single week. Like, he brought nothing but joy. You know, there was no, like, struggle in his story every week. And he wasn't trying to, like, be cool or, like, protect his rep. He was just, like, so genuinely thrilled to be there. And he brought that joy every single
1: Mm -hmm. week. Yeah, and he was, like, I mean, again, like... (laughs) He was like a straight man who loved to dance and loved the arts. Up. Like which I was like we need this. We and need more of this.
0: Did, right? And he was beautifully like pointed toes, extended lines. Like what the fuck? It was so good. He was so 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 great. And the fact that like he had a panel of professionals telling him like now you move on to do this professionally. Like mm-hmm. now there is a career in this for you. Yeah. There's no higher compliment when you come off of a silly show like Dancing with the Stars, you know what I mean? Like that's a really high compliment
1: It reminds me of like early seasons Of dancing where like people who Now we know them as dancers Or yeah, yeah like
0: yeah. And, and in the end Caitlin won I know <laughs> Moment of silence as Joe Shake of head,
1: Eye roll Still shaking his head I of- love and respect you Wendy I <laughs> But I did not want her to win <laughs>
0: And I didn't want her to win either, but I called it. I said, and I don't know. you
1: did call it. And yeah. again, like, you can't argue with the fact that the technique is on point.
0: No.
1: Artem finally gets a win. He's been there forever.
0: And the fact, here's why I thought she was going to win, too. Her technique was flawless, but Carrie Ann was a bitch to her. Because Carrie Ann was like, your technique is flawless and you're still not going hard enough. Mm. And so the fact that Carrie Ann pushed her, I was like, she's going to win because she's going to take that feedback and she's gonna burn it all down you
1: know yeah and she and she also is like she's also like a fan of the show like we learned that in the first episode she her and her like now boo are like super duper fans of the show mm-hmm. Um, so it told I was like okay so and I guess she used to be a dancer before this yeah. but like lost the dance somewhere along the way she
0: lost the dance yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh man.
0: It's so, oh it's so dumb and it's so awesome. And it's like it was such a lovely distraction from all of this ultra that we're in right now. And like I just kudos to that show for pulling off a season in the manner that they did and the amount of like close contact rehearsals that had to happen mm-hmm. the that they kept for all of their dancers and crew and costuming and lights and sound and all of that like their set design making those accommodations so that they could that mm-hmm. without an audience like all of those things are huge 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 jobs and Bless them for pulling it off because...
1: Can, can you imagine what it would have been like to been like the set designers and the lighting people where they were like, okay, we don't have an audience. What do we want to do? Let's project everything. Let's have pyrotechnics and confetti oh. after every number.
0: But I mean, think about that set. The way that they designed the set to make that audience look full and alive mm-hmm. when there was not a person in it. Yeah. It was like pretty bananas. It was pretty amazing. So... I mean, God bless the stupid fluff that gets us through it all. You know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: why not? Anyway, Neve,
1: hats off to you. Yes, and you know, I mean, what? What? Um, what would you?
0: And he was like totally happy with the number two spot. He was like, I already felt like I won. It was probably better that I ended up in the second spot. He's like, such a good winner, so wholesome.
1: So let me ask you this: as you know as a New York theater queen that you are, what would you have liked to see Neve in?
0: What would I have liked to have seen him in?
1: Like, like what would you like to see him in the future? Like, you know, now that he is this song and dance man, like, I, mean,
0: I think of him as like an on the town kind of
1: like, uh-huh.
0: I mean, like guys and dolls kind of guy, you know, like, I think he, I mean, if, I don't know if he's a singer or not, but.
1: That's the thing. I don't, we don't know if he can sing.
0: We don't, but I mean, we certainly know that he has the kind of like peppy energy for like a music man for, and on the town for, you know, f- to pull off that choreo, he could do it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could definitely do it. he, he's someone who like, if, if the person whoever like he, him and the person in the Fresh Play Spot would be going on the tour. Like if they were to do the tour.
2: Mm-hmm. Because, they like, like I think
1: I don't think they're gonna do like that. I mean, I don't know if that was ever in the plans. But I remember, like, for a couple years there, it was like Frankie Muniz and yeah. Jordan Fisher went on tour, and yeah. you know, it was always like the person who wins gets to go on the tour. And so, I think like he would have been someone who they might have wanted on the tour,
0: yeah,
1: for like a couple dates or something. I
0: could, yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, so who knows? I mean. Sad for Neve, but also like we saw it coming. Yeah, we did.
1: Yeah, I know. Ah. And and now we wait again.
0: And now we wait.
1: Now we wait. And we wait for the return of Tom.
0: (laughs) Right. We wait for the next glitter sport that doesn't include Tyra Banks.
1: Well, let's let's ask the question: Do we think she's going to come back?
0: I hope not. I do think that she rallied. Like mid season, I think she was getting a lot of really soul crushing feedback, and that was real negative.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that she took that feedback because she definitely like hit her pacing and her groove, like in like mid season.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um that said, I don't think that the Dancing with the Stars audience likes her and uh-uh. I don't think that she's very likable. So I don't I don't think she'll come back. I don't know. They might keep her on just to see, or just for consistency's sake, but I don't know.
1: I'll I hope that they give her someone she can play off of.
0: There's that. And if she didn't come back, who would you want to come on? Assuming that Tom Bergeron and Arian Andrews cannot return. Or
1: out-out? Oh. Return. Well, I mean, like, assuming assuming like maybe we get like, you know, someone, I don't know. That's a really good question. I could see Derek doing it. Like
2: uh.
1: I could see, an, I could see someone who was a pro coming back and doing it. Cause that would be, they would not be a judge, but they would have that extra insight. Um, so like Derek coming back, um, I want to say even, um, Oh, my God. What was his, Ballas? Mark Ballas? Oh,
0: Mark Ballas, yes. Where did he go?
1: And and to be quite honest, I mean, Kim um, johnson Hershevik, she did that podcast for uh, one season. So Kim could come back and host it as well. Like, mm-hmm. she was a pro. She already has, like, the hosting chops. Mm-hmm. It kind of felt like they were grooming her to do it, but... I feel
0: like, though, I, I feel like the host of that show has always been a non-dancer.
1: I, I, I see there. What about like Alfonso Ribeiro? Like he's in the ABC family cause he does AFV yeah. and he also was a former winner of the show. Like it would be. Yeah.
0: I feel like that might be a good
1: fit. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, they have a, they have a history with that. I mean like Brooke, Burke Charvet, Aaron Andrews, they all used to be contestants. So mm-hmm.
0: definitely. Well, speaking of hosts, we need to uh, pay our respects to Mr. Alex Trebek who uh, hosted for 38 years and sadly lost his battle to pancreatic cancer. Um, and, and, and we all knew it was coming and we all knew how ill he was. And still the world was so shocked and saddened when we lost him. How did you feel about all of this? And
1: um, Celebrity deaths as people know who listen to the show I'm always are always um, an interesting thing for me because you know they it's it's different when it's not someone that you knew knew but like with Alex Trebek like I have very distinct memories and I think a lot of people do who've been watching Jeopardy for the last few decades Mm -hmm. that like of spending that family time watching it um, my, like, crush in high school would come over and we would watch it, like, mm-hmm. you know, with the family and stuff. And he would keep score. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, he's a part of, to have someone who is a part of not just the culture, but of, like, people's legit lives. Yeah. Um, People who have, like, dreams. I think they showed a clip of a guy who, like, learned how to speak English yes. from watching mm-hmm. Jeopardy! Yeah. And he was, like, there, you know, meeting Alex Trebek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I I wanted to bring this on because so I uh, uh, I tried out for the teen tournament when I was in high school, junior in high school, and so I had my I made it to the. Um, I made it to like the finals of my particular, and there was like maybe 200 kids that auditioned in person. And then, you know, they culled, culled it down to like 20. And so I made it to that and they each, they gave us each a Jeopardy water bottle.
2: <laughs> so
1: I've saved this since I was a junior in high school. It's a Jeopardy water bottle right here. I've never used it, but I've always had it. I always had it because I'm just like, you know, it's the closest I've gotten <laughs> to being on Jeopardy. Um, I don't know. I wonder if they're going to see like a decline. Um, I don't know in I mean, I people. What,
0: what he did for the show, like in the lexicon of like American pop culture, you know, like Jeopardy is appointment viewing for so mm-hmm. many people and families. Like people still tune in at seven or seven thirty and watch Jeopardy, and it's not even. I mean, yes, it's become this show has become synonymous with Alex Trebek, but also like it's raised the intelligence quotient of, you know, the people sitting at home on the couch watching it, you know, like it's what he's done for academia. It's what he's done to highlight the humanity and people who have, you know, stood behind those podiums and, um, you know, like seeing that varied cross section of our people has been, So cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's, I think that Jeopardy now as an institution, and that is the great gift that he gave us, is that, like, this will live on without him because of what he built, you know? Mm -hmm. He built it as such that, like, we want to continue watching because we want to always be smarter. We want to always challenge ourselves. And, you know, and he did that, so.
1: And he... Also, like you know, so he filmed episodes um, to last until the end of this calendar year um, before they went on their like winter break, mm-hmm. and he wanted the episodes to be shown. I believe that was one of his wishes. It's just you know, it, he wants it to continue, and and yeah, so like it's it, you know, he will be missed. He was very much beloved, um, and. Yeah, like... I
0: heard that his last episode is is airing on Christmas Day. Wow. Yeah. But then I read something else that said, no, that's been pushed to January. I don't know. I think it would be really poignant, though, if they, you know, ended his legacy
1: on Christmas. Yeah. I mean, everyone will be watching.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, but Alex Trebek, um, you know, may he rest. And, ugh. You know, we will all always, you know, look at Jeopardy so fondly because of what he did. And um, and also, too, there's been this huge resurgence of game shows. Mm-hmm. Speaking specifically of Jeopardy, though, do you want to talk about uh, TJ?
1: Um, yeah. So uh, my dear friend TJ, who is um, who I've known for a few years and he's oh, a professor I'm of. Uh, he's, what was that? TJ's in love with me. Oh, yes. TJ is in love with Wendy. Um, they oh, met at my birthday.
0: Yeah. We met at, at Joe's birthday, and I walked in, and he laid eyes on me, and I laid eyes on him, and we fell madly
1: in love. Yes, and so the save the dates are forthcoming. <laughs> yeah. um, but and he, married he, yeah. he um, filmed his episode of Jeopardy in September, mid-September, and it premiered on December 1st, and um he was he he has a um, he did an interview where he talked about like you know what that was like to meet Alex Trebek and you know now knowing now that he he was the one who actually told me he passed and so I was just thinking oh my goodness like I that's so shocking because he said that he was just he was literally just there like he 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 did not look ill and he looked very much very vibrant and very much on it and so yeah. but yeah so tj was on it and you might know him because he was uh the queer fellow with the cool glasses and the blue hair and the blue mohawk, the blue
0: mohawk yeah i texted my mom and i said my friend tj's on jeopardy tonight blue mohawk <laughs> she said oh my god you know him and I said, uh-huh, we're in love. We're
1: together, we're in love. We're in, we're, um, together. we're in love, yeah. And it's just it's just great because, I mean, like, there is there is a small club uh, of, a small but ever-growing club of um, awesome queer people that have been on Jeopardy, um, TJ, Louis Vertel, um, and it's it's just nice to see to see that I mean like he that's the kind of like silent quote unquote silent representation mm-hmm. um, that that I love and and yeah so,
2: so. it was
0: so much fun to watch and it, you know he was on for two episodes and everyone was just freaking out and it was such a joy to see that end we've been watching all kinds of game shows that have been making this resurgence and that's kind of been our comfort viewing really yeah
1: i mean like so i mean the the one that i was the most excited for was the return of the weakest link with jane lynch mm-hmm. um it was for 17 years was in britain and then in like two to two seasons in the in america in 2002 2001 2002 um With Anne Robinson, Robinson, who was the British host, but now they have it back on Peacock with uh, Jane Lynch. And it's just, it's definitely, it's still the regular show, but like Jane Lynch puts her own spin on it. And Mm -hmm. it's imagine, like, if you will, Sue Sylvester is telling you, like, you're the weakest link, goodbye. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really fun to see. And again, all of the game shows that we're talking about have all filmed in a COVID con, like in COVID world. So there is no live audience.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. And one of the game shows that I had been looking forward to the most was um, supermarket suite. Because yes. Back in, the day, back in the day, I loved supermarket suite. And if you were a fat kid and if you were at home, Mm-hmm. After school, eating your snacks, you were watching Supermarket Sweep. And,
1: and you so heard the beep, and you were like, you were, like, you, were like you, you were living for people running around.
0: Go for the turkeys. Go for the hams. And you were like, get the Tide. Get the laundry detergent. You knew where to shop. You knew the big ticket items. You got the bonuses. All of that stuff, right?
1: Crest. It's Crest.
0: <laughs> Dave Dave host. Yes. And God, he's so boring. Like they have like a vintage season of it on Netflix right now. So you can go back and watch like the old episodes. And he's just so vanilla and no personality. And it's kind of lovely and peaceful and awesome to watch. Um, But then the resurgence has Leslie Jones as the host.
1: Which is the polar opposite
0: opposite. she screams the whole show
1: she has no chill but it's so fun to watch
0: There is no chill at all and i love watching the show but i always have to turn my volume like all the way down because i feel like she's <laughs> screaming directly at me and so i'm like I'm, i feel like i'm in trouble a little bit when i'm watching it because she's yelling but so i turn that all the way down um but it is—it's fun. There's more money. There's like higher stakes, and it's like two episodes in an hour instead of just watching one half-hour
1: episode. Yeah, which is it's such a good call, by yeah. the way. Like, yeah. a really fun call.
0: And our friend of the podcast, Jenny Bloom, is doing lights.
1: Doing yeah, lights. she did lights. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like they had <laughs> they had like Jackie Beat and Sherry Vine, these drag queens in full drag. For dead. Oh, yeah, and I was like, this is great. her
0: trans husband were, um, were contestants. They've had several uh, gay couples on there together. Like, it's been so inclusive and wonderful and lovely
1: to see. Them. Yes, amazing. Yeah.
0: And have you been watching Jimmy Kimmel's uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?
1: I have not.
0: I've watched a few episodes because it's come on after something. Does it come on after Supermarket Sweep? Maybe.
1: i think it does it's on yeah i think it does
0: i've watched like a like a few bits and pieces here and there um so that's david chang finally won $1, 000, 000. So that I, a million dollars i
1: was wondering who was gonna win the million
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway uh, game shows are back
1: yeah game shows are back and it's interesting because like you know we're here in this work from home context uh you know my um my one of the ways that like, you know, time is kept in this house is like, okay, it's almost lunchtime after Price is Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> let's make a deal with Wayne Brady Price is Right with Drew Carey. They're back and they're doing it like live game shows, but in COVID, like in a COVID time. So they got people playing at home. They have um, er- contestants in the studio, but that are spaced out, not as many. Like, it's just very interesting yeah. to see how people are adapting. Mm-hmm. um and again like you know in this is in the time of entertainment people have like covid officers and all that yeah. stuff so they're doing it as safely as possible but it's it's um it's it's good for like it's good for our spirit i should say to see yeah, that yeah, all of this stuff I, is happening
0: if if anything else the arts have really saved us throughout this mm-hmm. whole time period so anyone who says that the arts should be defunded or cut just remember the books that you read and the series you binged and you know the shows that you watched and all of that is art that you are undervaluing <laughs> so yeah yeah so it's been really really important for all of us and our spirits and you know the country really the world um we are looking at a really interesting time like we're kind of like positioned right now like the vaccine is is here, it's around the corner. You know, Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of at the crux of this pre-COVID entertainment and post-COVID world and Mm -hmm. what things are going to look like on the other side of this and how, um, you know, so many things are going to change on the other
1: side of this. So, Which also coincides with, like, pre the current administration, like, during the current administration and then, like, post the last four years.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, you know, connections to be made and observations to be talked about and all of that so and we're here to talk about all of it so we will be i mean you know um so we are you know like we said we're nearing the end of season three we're coming up on december the end of another year so we're going to give you our december episode and as ever we're going to give you josephine our
1: Top five of the year. Top well, top, top five, five lists. I should say. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're gonna um, we're gonna recap with our top five episode, which I think will be really freaking interesting. In this whole yes, episode.
1: I mean this is not. I mean, again, this is not a year that <laughs> really anything. <laughs> haven't
0: Traveled. We haven't seen art live. We yeah. Haven't gone out yet. This is gonna be a really interesting kind so of. So it's
1: episode. like what happened, but a lot happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And that's it. Any parting words from you?
1: Um, Happy holidays. I mean, you know, because the next time they hear we, you listener, you hear our voices, it'll be um, post the the December holidays, but, you know.
2: Mm -hmm. This is true. This is true.
1: Yeah. Happy holidays to you.
0: All of the things that you and yours celebrate, and if you are celebrating alone for COVID protocols, we... We see you and we honor you and we say thank you for keeping yourself and people around you safe. Um, You
1: can go back and listen to our quarantine recommendations because they are still accurate.
0: (laughs) They really are lots of things to do to fill your time. So, all right, y'all we're going to see you on the flip side. We'll catch you in December. Yeah.
1: Sounds good.
2: Sounds good. All right. Enjoy your time of the month.